Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmiami.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Carlos. He, meaning Jesus, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and what's that next word blameless and above reproach before him amen well you can have a seat now at all of our campuses you know i have been married uh, for almost eight years and i am blessed to call my wife shawnee uh, my wife in fact how many of you here show of hands how many of you are married raise your hand Keep them lifting. Yeah, yep. Okay, a lot of us. How many of you can put your hands down? How many of you are single? Put your hands up. Keep those hands lifted and look around. You know, maybe afterwards in our next steps area, you can connect with someone else. Come on, somebody. You can put those hands down. You know, and as a pastor, one of the things that I get to do is that I get to officiate many weddings. In fact, a couple months ago, I had the honor and the privilege of officiating the wedding of my younger brother. And a couple weeks from now, I'm going to have the honor and privilege of officiating the wedding of Andy, who was just on stage here at Christ Fellowship Palmetto Bay. Yep, he's getting married soon. Happy for him. Now, there's this one thing that every single wedding has in common. Whether it is a large wedding, big in size, or a small wedding, whether the couple spent a lot of money on putting together the ceremony, or it's a very simple wedding, every single one of them the bride and groom does the best they can to present the best version of themselves. Oh yeah, the moment that that couple knows that that wedding day is coming, everything changes for them. For that guy, if he's never worked out in his entire life, he'll call that buddy the strongest friend that he has, the healthiest guy, hey bro, sign me up to a gym. LA Fitness, CrossFit, Orange Theory. In fact, a buddy of mine was telling me that at his gym, there is the wedding day special. <laughs> For $250, you sign up, and in a span of a week, you are guaranteed to lose 10 to 15 pounds. The wedding day special. So you see that young guy, that guy working out his triceps, biceps, getting ready to present the best version of himself. And for the ladies, for the brides, oh, everything changes. When that wedding day is soon approaching, oh, forget all the salty donuts, the Krispy Kreme and the Pinecrest Bakery. It gets substituted with organic kale, spinach, carrots, blueberries, oatmeal, shakes, detox shakes. And you see the bride on Instagram, posting a picture of themselves. Oh, I'm loving this shake. Hashtag wedding countdown. Hashtag I need to look slim on that wedding dress. I wish I was eating burgers or pizza, right? And on that day, the wedding day, there is an entire army of women that surrounds that bride and she gets a facial done and they remove every single spots, blemish, wrinkle. I mean, she needs to look 
perfect, immaculate, as she's presented to her spouse. And then she has an entire station with all the things, all the different powders and creams, the tea tree oil, the lavender, the slim and sassy. And because she needs her hair to look beautiful in those pictures and fluffy and just full, she has the hair extensions, right? Like no one is noticing. And in case the bride was not able to lose as much weight as she wants to, or because the pictures add some pounds, she takes out the girdle. The younger girls call it Spanx, I think. And in Miami, it's known as La Faja Colombiana. Puts it around herself so she can look amazing on that day. Now, why is it that these, the bride and groom, they go all through this extensive process to look the best that they can? Why? Because everything is leading to that epic moment, that special moment where they're going to be presented to their future spouse. Now, let me bring all of that over to our teaching for today. Because what an image of our Christian life. And by that I mean just like in our dating life, it is all leading up to that special moment that we are going to present ourselves to our spouse in the same way. In fact, this is our big idea for this weekend. In the same way, the Christian life, it is all leading up to that special moment that we will present ourselves to Christ. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor Carlos, I had no idea the Christian life was leading up to that moment. How is God going to view me? How is God going to see me? Will he see all of my imperfections? Will he see all of the mistakes that I did in the past? Will he see the mistakes that I did in the past in my marriage? Will he see the times that I was disobedient as a student, as a young person? Will he see all of the flaws of my character? How is it that God is going to view me? Well, we're going to find out today as we navigate through this passage in Colossians chapter 1, verse 22. We're going to unfold this powerful verse. So if you have your all-in booklets, make sure you take them out. We love to take notes here. If you have your app, you can take it out as well on your phone. Here's the first point that I want you to write down today. In Christ, you are seen in a new way. Amen. In Christ, you are seen in a new way. Look at what the Bible says in Colossians 1, verse 22. He, meaning Jesus, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy. Now, let's stop right there. Because we've been going through the book of Colossians verse by verse and chapter by chapter. We started at the beginning of this year. And we know that the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church in the city of Colossae. Last week we learned in verse 21 that before we started following Christ, we were alienated from the things of God. We were far away from the things of Jesus. And we were, when we were far away from the things of God, we were hostile in our minds and our thoughts and our actions towards God and all his ways. And we learned last weekend about this powerful word called reconciliation, which means to bring together to God Almighty. 
Through Jesus Christ, we are reconciled to God the Father. Now, in this verse, in verse 22, this is where we're at today and we're going to unfold. Look at what Paul is writing to these Christians. He says the following. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy. Say with me, holy. holy. Say it like you mean it, holy. holy. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to circle or underline that word holy. We've told you many times that the New Testament was first written in Greek, Koine Greek, and then translated into other languages. And that word holy in the Greek is the word hygos. And it means to be separated from sin. It means to be consecrated. And it actually means to be a saint. See, the moment that you and I trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the moment that you repent from your sins, you are now a new creation in Christ. And because of that, your identity is that you are no longer a sinner. Rather, now God sees you holy. Write that down as your next point. You are seen holy. And now he sees you as a saint. You are not the person you used to be. You are a saint. That's the way that God views you. In fact, the word sinner, God never associates the Christian with the word sinner. He never uses the word sinner to associate a believer. He always calls a follower of God a saint. Yeah, sure, there are times that we're going to struggle with sin. There are times that we're going to fall into sin. There are sins that create challenges in our daily walk. But he always associates the believer and he calls him a saint. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote many of the books in the New Testament and in Colossians chapter 1, as he's writing this letter, look at what he says. He addresses him the following, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Notice how he doesn't say to the sinners. In the book of Ephesians, Paul writes to the Christians in Ephesus, he says, to the saints. Say with me, saints. Say it like you mean it, saints. To the saints who are in Ephesus, the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. If Paul was writing us a letter inspired by God to us now, he would say to the saints in Palmetto Bay, to the saints in Miami, to the saints in Core Gables, to the saints in Redland, to the saints in Homestead, to the saints in West Kendall, to the saints in Doral. The moment that you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are viewed as a saint positionally in the eyes of God. Tell the person next to you, you are a saint. Tell the other person next to you, you are a saint. Some of you are thinking, Pastor Carlos, my husband is not a saint. If he was a saint, he would wash dishes all the time. Even when he doesn't wash dishes, if he is a follower of Christ, if he is a child of God, he is a saint. And the man say amen. All the hubby say amen. You still got to wash dishes, by the way. <laughs> that moment, we are now holy. And we do nothing to contribute to our salvation. It is not by our good works. It is not by our good deeds. 
It is not by coming to church, only by faith in Christ through Jesus alone can we receive our salvation. In fact, the only thing that we contribute to our salvation, the only thing that you and I contribute to our salvation is our sin. The only thing we contribute to our salvation is our sin. Jonathan Edwards, a great reformer from the 18th century, such a great theologian, said the following about this. Look at what he said. You contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. You contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. This is what theologians refer to as the great exchange. Write that down in your booklet. The great exchange. We bring our sin to God and through faith in Christ, through grace alone, through his mercy, God imputes his righteousness over our lives. That's why we call it amazing grace. He's forgiven us from our past present and future sins and in Christ you are now holy how many of you can give Jesus a shout of praise for that you are holy in Christ you are holy in Christ you are blameless and above reproach write that down as your next point for today blameless and above reproach here's what the word of God says in Colossians chapter 1 I want to take us back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 22. In order to present you holy and blameless. Say with me, blameless. If you're taking notes, I want you to circle that word blameless. It means without fault, without any blemishes. In fact, in the Old Testament, the word blameless was used to describe a perfect animal sacrifice. They would say that animal does not have any blemishes. It is perfect and blameless. In the New Testament, the word blameless is used to describe Jesus Christ. He is the perfect sacrifice from God to forgive us from our sins. In regards to us, God uses it to describe our character in the eyes of God. Not only are we now blameless, we are now also above reproach. See, in the Greek, that word above reproach is the word anadlektos. And it means without fault, and that it means unaccused, meaning no one can accuse you of anything. No one can bring a charge against you. Specifically, it is referring to the enemy. See, the devil lies to the children of God. The devil loves to lie to God's children. In fact, the Bible says that he is the accuser, the prince of darkness, the liar, the father of all lies. Jesus Christ says in John chapter 8 about the devil, he says he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Why? Because there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks out of his own character, for he is what? A liar and the father of lies. See, the moment that you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of God. You are a daughter, the king of kings. And at that moment, the enemy 
is going to try to accuse you of your past. At that moment, the enemy is going to try to lie to you and bring up your past. Whenever the devil brings up your past, you remind him of his future. Five people got it over here. Let me say that again. I know it was because of the time change, and I know we're a little off. Come on, shake it off a little bit. Whenever the enemy reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Because child of God, you are not your past. You are not your failures. You are not your divorce. You are not your addictions. You are not your struggles. You are what God says you are, and you are holy, and you are blameless, and you are above reproach. You are also not your successes. You are also not your portfolio. You are also not your achievements. You are also not your assets. You are also not your investments. You are something much greater than that. Because of the mercy and the grace of Christ, you have the righteousness of God Almighty, and you are a child of God. You are holy, blameless, and above reproach, which is why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he who knew no sin, Jesus Christ became sin, so that in him you might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that powerful? But I know what some of you may be thinking right now, Pastor Carlos, God sees me as holy. God sees me as blameless. God sees me as above reproach. Does that mean that I can sin and do whatever I want to do? Live outside the will of God, live like hell, because of grace, because of mercy, I can just live however I want to live. The answer is no. Amen. No. Amen. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? What does he say? What does he say? By no means. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? Yes, positionally, we are holy, blameless, and above reproach. Practically, we still got some work that needs to be done. Tell the person next to you, you still got some work. Tell your hubby, you still got some work. You got a lot of work. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We got, a, we got work to be done. And so because we are holy, because we are above reproach, because we are blameless, now we strive to live in holiness. Now we strive to be blameless. Now we strive to be above reproach. This is what theologians refer to as sanctification. Say with me, sanctification. sanctification. Say it like you mean it, sanctification. It is the process, you can write this down, it is the process of becoming more like Jesus. The process of becoming more like Christ. In other words, the moment that you trusted in Christ, whether it was a couple years ago or yesterday, at that very moment, our relationship, we, can, we walk with Christ. And because we walk with Christ, we begin to reflect who God is. We begin to reflect the character of God because we are his children. You see, my dad, my dad and I, we have a great 
relationship. In fact, my dad serves in our guest services ministry team. He comes here. He's one of our volunteers. And I want to give a shout out to all of our guest services volunteers. Can we just give it up for all the ushers and greeters and directors, volunteers? You guys do an amazing job. And I have three children, my oldest son, Noah. And I want to just give us a quick visual. And so because of the quick visual, I want to invite my father and my oldest son on stage. Can we welcome them both? Yeah. They have their all-in shirts. You guys can come this way. This is my dad, uh, Fernando, and this is my oldest son, Noah. And so you guys can say hi to them. Say hi to them, yeah. You know, I'm 36 now. And so as I've gotten older, as I've begun to age, right, my mom will say I am reflecting so much of who my dad is. In fact, my mom consistently tells my wife, oh, igualito a Fernando. Meaning, he's acting just like his dad. Why? Because I'm his son. And no matter what I do in life, I'm always going to be my dad's son. But because I'm his son, I reflect who he is. Now, my son Noah, he's six years old. I've seen him grow up from being an infant toddler. And a couple weeks ago, we were in North Carolina visiting my older sister. And my older sister is seven years older than I am. If you've had an older sibling that much older than you, they saw you grow up. They become like a second parent. So my older sister is like a second mom. And so I know some of you can relate to that. And when we were in North Carolina, she was like, oh, my gosh, there is so much about Noah that reminds me of you when you were his age. Why? Because Noah is my son. In fact, a couple months ago, there was this app that was called FaceApp that went really viral for like about a day where you put the picture of your face and it gives you an older version of how, how you're going to look when you become older. And I put a picture of myself and this is what came up. Look at this picture. <laughs> exactly like my dad. I was like, that's my dad. Only that I'm a couple inches taller than you are, dad, because of the, because of the boots that helped me out, right? And then I put a picture of Noah, and this is what came up. Look at that. <laughs> Noah preaching. Look at that. <laughs> All right, can we give it up for both my dad and my son? Church family, don't miss the point. No matter what I do, I'm always going to be the son of my dad. I'm always going to be Fernando's son. No matter what Noah does, He's always going to be my son. He's always going to be my child. But because he is my son, but because I am his son, I reflect my father. It's the same way in our relationship with God. We're always going to be his children. But because we are children of God, we reflect the character of God. In fact, write this down as your next point for today. Because of Christ, we reflect him in all areas of our lives. God says we're holy. God says we're blameless. God says we're above reproach. So we strive to be holy because he is holy, because he is blameless, because he is above reproach. So how are you being blameless as a husband in your marriage by being faithful to your wife, by not having any hidden relationships that that person does not know about how are you striving to be blameless through your career by working the hours that you're supposed to work by being a good honorable boss supervisor respectful 
treating people with dignity? How are you striving to be blameless in your school, young person, high school students, by living out the gospel and being ex an example to everyone else? How are you striving to be blameless and above reproach when it has to do with your finances and your generosity? See, we are in the middle of a series called All In, where God is challenging all of us, every single one of us, to be all in in terms of our trust, to be all in in terms of our surrender, and to be all in in terms of our generosity. And oftentimes, this is an area that can be easily neglected in our spiritual life. Oftentimes, we can strive to be blameless by coming to church, being in a small group, serving in a ministry. But when it comes to our giving, oftentimes, we neglect it. I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, Pastor Carlos, there you go with the giving talk. There you go with the generosity and the finances. Can you go back to the holy stuff? I was loving that. Why is it that you're talking about this? The reason why we talk about this is because God's word talks about this. In fact, God speaks about it a lot. Did you know that the word believe, believe, appears in the Bible 272 times? The word praise appears in the Bible 371 times. The word love appears in God's word 714 times. The word give appears in the Bible 2,161 times. Why? Because God knows that this is an area that oftentimes we can neglect in our spiritual walk. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. You can't serve two masters. You either serve God or money, but you can't serve both. And God is challenging every single one of us to strive to be blameless in this important area of our lives. In fact, write this down as your next point for today. Strive to be blameless in your stewardship in your stewardship, everything that we own, everything that we possess, all of our resources, all of our abundance, all of our wealth, whether we have a lot or a little, even the things that we don't have belong to God. Our job, our role is to manage or steward what God has entrusted every single one of us. How are you stewarding what God has entrusted over your life. A couple months ago, I was at the Aldi's uh, grocery store, and I've mentioned before Aldi's, and some of you might be thinking, Pastor Carlos, are you marketing for them on the side? No, I just want to steward what God has given me well, and at Aldi's, you can buy a full cart of groceries for $84, and when you have three children, it's going to last you about a day and a half, <laughs> because half of the groceries are gone by the time you make it home. Parents, can you testify to that? Yeah, yeah, right? And so I was at Aldi's, and I went in our minivan with my son Nathan, our middle child. He's about to turn five. And in our van, there's this quarter that we call it the Aldi's quarter. Because at Aldi's, in order for you to be able to use a shopping cart, you have to insert the quarter, and then the shopping cart comes out, and this is one of the ways that they cut costs to be able to provide such inexpensive deals to you as a customer, right? And so I take out, I'm looking for the quarter, and I couldn't find it. I'm like, ah, oh, gosh, with my luck, I don't have the quarter here. And so we get to the place, and I'm looking all over the parking lot 
trying to find a cart that's all by itself that doesn't need the quarter. And I'm looking, and I can't find it. So I see my little son with his Spider-Man boot bag, and I knew that inside that boot bag, he had a bag of coins that he keeps. And I knew that he had a quarter. So I tell Nathan, Nathan, I need a quarter because we need to get the cart so we can get groceries for our family. I'm like, Nathan, give me a quarter. No. <laughs> I'm like, Nathan, please hurry up. I'll be, mommy's waiting for us. We need to hurry up. Give me a quarter. He's like, no. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Who do you think is the one that provided the quarter for you? Who do you think gave you that bag, the Spider-Man book bag? Who do you think gave you the Ziploc with all the coins? Who do you think is providing for you that entire cart of food that you're going to consume? Who do you think owns the bed that you lay your head on every single night? Who do you think owns the home that you rest in? It is me. And you don't want to give me my quarter back to me? We laugh. But that is an image how we operate with God. Oh, Pastor Carlos, I worked so hard for my paycheck. I got up early every day at 6 in the morning. I worked six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. Awesome. That is great. Who do you think provided you with the health and the strength and the energy that you can wake up early and go to work every single day? It was not you. It was God Almighty. Oh, Pastor Carlos, I worked so hard for my grad degree, so many hours in the library to be able to do the dissertation and pass the bar exam, get the MBA. I get all that. But who do you think gave you the wisdom, the intellect, the aptitude, the brain, the mind that you can be able to accomplish those things? Oh, Pastor Carlos, I'm just a type A person, self-driven, self-motivated, self-promoter, self-initiator, self, self, self. My Enneagram is one, two, seven, five, all of them. Congrats. Who do you think? wired you in the way that you have the drive, the ambition, the, the power to go and do these things. It is God. Everything that we have belongs to him. Our job is to steward what God has entrusted over our lives. Do you believe that today? Give Jesus a shout of praise. See, what good is it that we are generous people but we don't manage our money well. We got to manage the money that God has entrusted over our lives. That means that sometimes we can't buy that TV with the curve that we want to buy. Oh, but I want to see it because you can see it from an angle. Nobody's watching football from an angle. Who cares? Everybody watches this straight looking at the TV. Ah, oh, but, but it has two more inches and it's the latest one. Are you managing your finances? Is it blameless, above reproach? Are you holy in the way that you manage what God has given over your life? Not only in our stewardship, but also in our generosity. Write that down as your next point for today. In your generosity. You know, one of the things I talked about is that as believers, we reflect 
who God is and the character of God. Can I tell you something? We are never more like God than when we are giving. When we are never more like God than when we are generous. Why? Because God was generous towards us. He gave us his one and only son that who shall ever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And all throughout the Bible, we read about the principle of the tithe. The tithe means bringing back 10% what belongs to God, what God has entrusted over you, giving back 10% to God. Now, people will say, hey, Pastor Carlos, the tithe, it's an Old Testament law. Well, before the law was given to the Israelites in Exodus, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 14, verse 20, that Abraham, and Abraham gave him, meaning God, a tenth of everything. This is before Exodus, before Deuteronomy, when the law was given, before Leviticus. Then we read in Genesis 28, Jacob, all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Once again, tithe. Then we see that in the, in the Old Testament, in the law. Then in the New Testament, Jesus Christ says tithing is a good thing. He actually commands the tithe. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, look at what Jesus Christ says to the Pharisees. Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you have to have done without neglecting the others. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus, do we tithe or do we focus on justice, faithfulness, and mercy? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. The answer is both and. It's not either or. You see, in that time, the Pharisees were all, all about the tithe, but they had forgotten to advocate for justice and faithfulness and mercy. They were not compassionate towards people. Now, the pendulum has swung. Now, it's all about social justice and compassion and mercy and love. I want to do that, reach beyond. I want to go out there and serve our community. I want to make this city a better place. And listen, here at Christ Fellowship, we're all about that, which is why we have an incredible ministry called Caring for Miami that we want to expand. We want to love on people in this city, in our community. However, we don't want to neglect the other thing. Jesus says, be about justice, be about mercy, be about faithfulness, but also be about the tithe. How are you striving for holiness, how are you being blameless in this such important area of your life? See, oftentimes we can strive to be blameless when it comes to other things in our Christian walk, when it comes to our family, our children, but when it comes to this very important area, oftentimes it gets neglected. And here in our church, in this season, this all-in season, God is challenging us like never before to be all in in our trust, to be all in in our surrender, to be all in in our generosity. In fact, we've heard so many amazing stories. And I want to share with you a powerful story from someone from our core Gables campus. His name is Chuck. In fact, at this moment, take a look at this video clip right now.
So I am Chuck, and uh, I've been at Christ Fellowship for just almost five years now. Pastor Tucker was great at pushing me to join a small group, uh, meet friends, um, build that camaraderie um, with other believers, which it's been so long since I've had that, um, has totally transformed my life. It also has changed and evolved you know, my view of thinking of how our relationship with the Lord is. God has promised us through His Word that He will never leave us or forsake us. That also includes with our giving. He says that He will promise to provide for all of our needs. So even when I look about my own life, you know, I see plenty of examples of where I was unfaithful in my giving. Unfaithful in how my walk and all those kinds of things. But the Lord has always provided the way and the correction. I had a phenomenal conversation with Pastor Tucker. He actually came to my work. It was humbling. To, for him to say, so how are you when you're giving? Well, are you faithful? And, I'm, and I had to pause for a moment. I'm like, you're right. You can't just continue in your walk and leading a small group and being part of praise and worship without also being able to give financially. Um, not just because the church needs money or whatever, but it's a sign of obedience. And that says, yes, Lord, you are in control of my career. You are in control of my finances, and I have to put everything before you. A great example um, in scripture about, you know, um, going all in with the scripture, of God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And as a response to love, we give. But even more so, it's about the verse that's, uh, the word in that verse that says, God gave his only begotten son. It wasn't like he had another one as a backup. It was, he gave all in. So when you think about All In, yes, we, re we reference it as a season and such, but choosing to be All In is for every season of your life. When things look hard, when things look intimidating, when things look scary, being part of All In is just saying yes. Yes, Lord. Because being All In is not just about when it's convenient for you. It's not about when you know you're gonna be okay, but it's just that walk. It's that walk that says, you know what, Lord, you're all in, so am I. Here I am, use me. Amen. Isn't that amazing, church family? Don't miss something that Chuck shared in that video, that he was going to small group, he was coming to church, he's also a part of a ministry team, but this was the one area that he was neglecting to be all in. He was not trusting Christ. He was not being blameless in the area of our generosity. Can I tell you that we are here today in this worship center because years ago, people were blameless in the area of their generosity and they gave to the work of God. And because of that, we can worship Christ. You know, going back to my passage, my, my message, one of the things that I mentioned is that John chapter 8 says that the devil is the liar. He's a liar. He's going to fill us with deceit. He's the father of all lies. And after we hear this message, maybe later on today, or maybe sometime this week, he's going to lie to you. He's going to whisper things like, God isn't going to provide for you. You don't need to tithe. You don't need to give back to God. You don't have to be a part of this all-in initiative. You don't have to be a part of this commitment weekend that's happening next weekend. You're the one that owns everything. God doesn't own it. And he's going to try to whisper these lies into your ears. But when that happens, child of God, remind yourself that you worship a miracle maker, way maker, 
promise-keeping God. And His Word says in Philippians 4.19 that my God will supply not a few of my needs, not some of my needs, but every single one of my needs. The Word of God says in Matthew chapter 6 that if He takes care of the bird, how is He not going to take care of us? Aren't you more valuable than an animal? You are a child of God. The Word of God says in Hebrews 13, 5, that He will never leave you nor forsake you. We worship a God that always keeps His promises. Do you believe that today, Christ Fellowship? Come on, give Jesus a shot of praise. Let's stand to our feet. Let's worship together. Let's give Him the praise and the worship that He deserves. Come on. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know at cfmemmy.org connect and filling out a connection card. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We love you and God bless.